Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Aaron Rodgers again. Uh, I, 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 I think if I come back, I can win another MVP. No, you can't. It's Wes. I, I, I can't. I don't want to do the dunk. I, just, I don't want to play an all-star game. The season's too long. Get out of here. Zion, get back on the court. And Walker. But somebody said I looked like Kyle Singler one time, and I wanted to fight him. No, 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 don't point. Don't point. Don't Walker, point. Walker Filipowski. No. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. I still need to learn swimming lessons. <laughs> oh, judge me. I can't escape it. Before we even hop on the mic, Wes said, yeah, just real quickly, Cooper Flag. he does look like you. He could be your son. Yeah, he could be your kid. You you definitely have the Duke player look, man. You well, do. it's because I'm a white tall guy. Well, but clean cut face, the hair, it's it's a it's remind. You kind of had the John Shire hair going from back in the day. Like you got it all going, <laughs> man. So Cooper Flag definitely looks like he could be your son. You know, ex Duke legend. That one doesn't hurt coming me as back. Bad. Legacy. No. Legacy recruit. You know. I would I would love that honestly. Yeah. yeah, you gave him no other option to go anywhere else but Duke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I care about your schooling, son. <laughs> it's time to go. Right. To, you're going. You're going to Duke. Yeah, and even though, <laughs> and, and just maybe don't do the one and done thing. Maybe you yeah. stay and you play for John Shire a little bit longer. As long as you tell, as long as you don't tell me I look like Kyle Singler. That that's basically yeah, and I don't get that. But you just good. look in that vein of the Duke Duke villain. I'm, I don't want to look like a lot of Duke players, but Kyle Singler, that's the one that irks me the most. And you're not a mean guy. You would just be a solid player, and people would just hate you because you play for Duke. Yeah. Well, again, tall, white. I mean, I've got two of the <laughs> yeah. pitchforks that Super are the reason Flags as to why you hate Christian Leitner. All Leitner's. the makings of a... The next great Duke villain. He's super athletic. He's swaggy. talks trash. Mm-hmm. I can see Fiddy just letting them go. But I told him, I said, when they're not playing against North Carolina, we can join in together. Mm-hmm. Because when he plays against Wake Forest, I will have plenty of bad things to say about him. Maybe. Do I look like Lee Melchione? M-E-H-L? I remember Lee him. Melchione. <laughs> Maybe we can. Oh, he's my I'll favorite Duke player of all time. Why is that? Did he mess up one time? He missed the three that ignited the, the comeback in 05. I figured there was some reason. Yeah. yeah, I figured there was a reason. We've mentioned Lee Melchione way too many times on this show, yeah. which is why I love this show. We had a Bombali Osby reference last oh, week, God. and now we have a, another Lee Melchione yeah, reference man. here. Terrence Oglesby, by the way, joining us tomorrow, going to be a weekly guest. So excited to talk with. Might as well call up Adamola Okalaja then. Hell. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, don't don't do it. Don't you do it. <laughs> we will continue to go down that road as long as we want to. And uh, name random ACC basketball players. (laughs) But we should stop. We should focus a little more on college football. Get back to some Carolina Panthers a little bit later on. Adam Oda Okalaja. Yeah. RIP. All right. Let's do it. Live Wire with Josh Fiddy Marlowe. Live Wire's on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live Wire's connect. It always catches me off guard when uh, when Wes doesn't save Livewire Connect because I'm prepared for it every time we do the Livewire. 
So it's in my head I hear him saying then he doesn't say I get caught off guard. Why on a team connect? There it is. We are going to hear from Biff Pogey and Paul Feinbaum in this edition of the Live Wire. Mm. But with it being a Panther victory Monday, we're going to start with the quarterback, Bryce Young, who said that uh, after an 0-6 an start, they weren't worried about the outside pressure that was facing the team. There wasn't any any pressure that um, was external. Wasn't any pressure that you know we didn't already you know we, we I don't think we had pressure. We just had urgency. Um, you know, as a group, we had urgency, and that came from this building. You know, it wasn't from outside stuff. It wasn't from um, you know anyone anyone else. It was it came from the building, and we just had urgency to make sure that we were improving. And that doesn't go away. Um, again, urgently we we have to keep getting better. Again, I talked about it's a great win, but there's a lot of stuff for us to clean up clean up as a team. Uh, so um, again, we're, we. It's one win. It's awesome. We're going to enjoy it, uh, enjoy today, but uh, we got to turn the page, and you know we, we have to keep that same urgency. Certainly needed it there. Bryce Young, I don't know if he's saying a whole lot. He <laughs> did say that there was a sense of urgency that they were able to get this victory with. No pressure, though. It was all good, and I will say, despite facing a lot of pressure in the pocket, he didn't play like he was facing a lot of pressure coming into this game. It was his best game, as you and I see it was. Yeah, um, you know, my first instinct is to always call cap when guys say stuff like that because they know that they hear things going on. Uh, there's always external pressure, especially when you haven't gotten a win, especially when you're going up against a quarterback that's in your peer group that was drafted under you that to this point had been playing better than you. So I don't know how much I'm buying into that. But they came out and played with the requisite urgency and it resulted in a win. What else you got for us, Fiddy? All right, now we'll hear from the head coach, Frank Reich, who met with the media earlier today. And we've talked a lot about the struggles that Miles Sanders has had so far in his first season here with the Panthers. Well, the head coach, he addressed how to get him out of the slump he's had to start the season. It happens a couple different ways. You know, one thing is feed him the ball. You know, you can <laughs> feed him, the, you know, get him some touches. And, and then sometimes it's just a question of, you know, as a player, hey, even if it's limited touches, i got to make the most of what touches I get and what plays I'm in. I slash we have a lot of confidence in Miles. You know, Chuba's getting the bulk of the carries right now with the way our run game is going. And, you know, he's a, he's a more physical downhill runner. But uh, Miles is a great player. And so we want to continue to mix it up. Sometimes I've just seen this happen before where it feels like an eternity to Miles but in actuality, you know, a two or three or four game stretch will feel like an eternity to the player. But over the course of the season, it can turn. It's not guaranteed to turn, but it can turn. So um, we'll continue to rotate those guys through. Wes, you said earlier in the show it's fair and it's time to call Iki Aquanu a bust. Are you confident in saying that Miles Sanders was just a beneficiary of playing with Jalen Hurts, uh, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith in Philadelphia? Uh, I mean, that's hard to say. He had decent numbers before he put up that big 1,200-yard season. And like I said, you know, when people try to call guys system players or say they benefited this, that, and a third, well, every back in that Philadelphia offense wasn't able to put up the numbers that he put up. But he did benefit from playing with a light box and a really good offensive line. And if you're a running back worth the assault, you're going to be able to do damage uh, off of that. And also when you have a running back that's also, I mean, a quarterback that's to be accounted for in the running game. So I think there were definitely several things that helped him to be successful. But I think a lot of uh, running backs would have been successful in that situation. And I think a lot of guys will want that. But 
you know, Barnwell and those other guys were productive, but they didn't put up the numbers that Miles did. So I'm not a guy that's huge. That's a huge uh, system player type of guy. Well, I I do think it's a different offensive line that he's dealing with here than it was with Philadelphia. And he's not capitalizing on some of the opportunities that he's had. Now, there wasn't a lot against Houston. You still feel like Chuba Hubbard's been playing a lot better when you do give him rushing attempts in between the tackles. And even in the passing game, Chuba got involved. Raheem Blackshear, he's being a little more involved, and I thought he looked good against Houston. Really like what he was able to do on a finite amount of touches that he had, but still really like what Blackshear was able to do. Yeah, it's just... (laughs) If, if Sanders is only going to get 20% of the snaps and Chuba and Raheem Blackshear continue to look better, it's going to be a really rough signing to defend because you signed him for a few years and now he can't even get to the bye week before he already has his job taken from him. From him. What you got, Fiddy? All right, let's go back to Friday. Remember beginning of the show when Walker surprised us by having the Biff cut off underneath his shirt and we all celebrated seeing the best set of noodle arms in the Queen City? Thank you. <laughs> well, as we were leaving the studio on Friday show, Walker put a shirt back over the undershirt and there was a disgusted look that existed on Wes Bryant's face. He was really disappointed in me. Unfortunately, that wasn't the only time that Walker would be disappointed because the fighting 49ers did not fight losing at home on Friday. And the head coach, Biff Pogey, he's given us a lot of sound bites during his first year on the job. He gave us another one during his interview after the third quarter of Friday's game. Where were the wins? Well, we rushed the ball well, and we got had some three and outs. You know, we just have to stop hurting ourselves. I mean, it's very frustrating. You know, when we when we don't hurt ourselves, we have a decent football team. When we hurt ourselves, we 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 we're, we're like watching sausage being made. It's just a horrifying experience. Um, and you know, look, this is football. For God's sake, just block and tackle people. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do anything else. Don't talk to anybody. Don't push anything. I don't care what anybody says to you. Just do your damn job. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> A couple of really quickly ended interviews here. And over the weekend with Dave Doran, now here with Biff Pogey, which is always. Biff Pogey is always going to be a wild card. Yeah, you had players suspended too. A group of unspecified players that were suspended because of their performance, because of the penalties that took place in this game. You got beat down. It was an awful, awful performance from this defense. The offense doesn't look any better. You had some injuries that you suffered to both quarterbacks, by the way. Jalen Jones and Trexler Ivy, they both experienced injuries in this game. Man, this one was bad all around, Wes, and there was really no fight after we we saw FAU get a nice lead on them. Yeah, the thing, too, man, that I hate is nothing more than you get your tail beat and then you want to fight, you want to talk after the game and things of that nature, man. And it's so frustrating, and it's got to be frustrating for a coach, but this is a team offensively that's just as uh, inept as it gets. And uh, they come out in this game, average 3.9 yards per play, but also, too, just watching that game, the play designs, if you're not running, it's a basic rollout, throw to the flat. And so yeah. it's just really tough times in Charlotte right now. And then when you add that onto it, it's very frustrating. And the thing, too, is that, you know, when you're at a power five, a big power five, and you're getting transfers, you're going to get guys – and a lot of cases that can play and things of that nature. But when you bring in as many players as he did to a team like Charlotte, well, you start to find out after a little while, 
there's a reason why uh, all those guys didn't work at their programs and that they came to a program that's still building like Charlotte. It's not a bad program, but it's just still building. And they looked at this as a place that they could come in and play early. And you find out they're really not that good. So uh, his laundry list or grocery list, whichever you want to put, is pretty long, too, for what he's going to have to find. But it's football team, and it's going to start at the quarterback position. The, the players weren't great, but also, you know, coaching does not get any – they don't get absolved of any responsibility sure. in this game. And so you see that Charlotte, they uh, – the other team, FAU, excuse me, they, they missed a 48-yard field goal. I apologize. ECU, they missed a 48-yard field goal when you go back a couple of games ago and – there were a couple of things that the defense was able to skate by despite some mistakes, but that didn't really happen in this game with FAU and FAU's offense is significantly better than ECU's offense. And so that's the frustrating part to me, Wes. It's the defense playing well against Navy, the defense playing well against ECU. Now here's a real opponent opponent where you have the offense and a quarterback that has the capability of putting points on the board. Now this is a, a competition this is at least an opponent worth your time this is an opponent where okay you were able to do it against some offenses that aren't putting a ton of points on the board can you do it against fau and the answer was a resounding no resounding 38 points Uh, that's if that's going to be your backbone and it doesn't show up in a conference game that does have some nice pieces on the other side then that's going to be really tough to win, especially when you can only put 10 points up in two weeks and then only 16 here. It's not going to be enough. I wanted to play a piece of sound from Paul Feinbaum, but Shroppy sent me a text mandating I play you this piece of sound from Frank Reich. And go back to the end of the game when Eddie Pinheiro was lining up to kick the field goal. There were a lot of penalties that were committed by the Houston Texans, and the head coach seems pretty frustrated that they might have been done so on purpose. I'm not one to impute motives, right? I don't want to impute motives. But I would say this, that if, if if a team, forget what just happened in this game, but I would just say in general, I do think that's over. I do think that's crossing a line that is not meant to be crossed. And um, personally, that's just my personal opinion. Others might disagree. I understand because as a head coach, um, there are modes where we'll tell a guy, there are certain tricks that you tell a guy to get a jump on the snap. But when it happens repeatedly like that, you, you just wonder what's being said. And again, I'm not imputing any motives, but for teams that do do that intentionally, for me and just my taste, I, I just think that's probably not what the league is looking for. Mm. You got a stink face for me, Wes. Why so? Uh, I don't know, man. When, when I hear coaches try to talk about things of that nature and, you know, the moral aspects of the game when you're trying to get an advantage to win. Yeah, there are some coaches that are going to hold themselves and their teams to a higher moral ground. But I feel like most coaches, especially too in this win now era that we're in, are going to do pretty much anything uh, to be able to get some type of advantage. So uh, I'm not so sure I would agree with them. I mean, it was... I get what the Texans were doing, and I think Frank Reich didn't want to tell you that it was a mandate from D'Amico Ryans or a special teams coach or anybody like that. I know Frank Reich didn't want to say that's exactly what was happening on the other side, but we were going to be there all day. (laughs) 
I, we, we were watching the game yesterday. I was like, who is this guy? Stop. <laughs> Just You're clearly offsides. And even so, it's like, hey, it was funny, too, because Frank Reich and the coaching staff and Eddie Pinheiro, they just wanted the second field goal to count or the first one that he actually kicked, the second attempt after we got another penalty. They just wanted it to count and to get out of there with a win because the more you drag this thing on, I don't care how close you move to the end zone to make this thing a real chip shot. The more that this thing drags out, the more you start to allow, okay, what could happen if he misses it? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, is he going to miss it? Is he going to mm-hmm. miss it? Great job by Eddie P, you know, staying within the moment and, you know, drilling it no matter what. And we would have killed him had he missed it. But still, it was just a weird sequence of events. I get why Frank Reich was a little frustrated over it happening. I get what he's saying. Yeah, man, it was it was just annoying more so than anything. And at the end, you'd still come out with a victory. It can make you a little jumpy, though, too, when you see that guy coming off yeah. that edge like that because yeah. you start to worry and you might have just a little bit of a hit in your step when you're getting ready to kick that thing if you feel like a guy could come flying off the edge. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot at the end. That game <laughs> would not end because they continued to jump off sides. That'll do it for the Live Wire. We have plenty more content to get to here as well. We'll continue to talk about the Panthers. We still have college football conversation to have, so we've got a lot here. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNC. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You are not listening to 80s Retro Radio. This is indeed the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ on a Monday in which the Panthers got their first victory of the season. Keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. My goodness. Uh, I see that Heartstopper Harley has written me a paragraph uh, on the text line, I can't read it all. I'm going to read it all. Yeah, don't read that one. That one's a long but, one. But uh, yeah, it is uh, pretty long. But anyway, when we get back into the discussions of what happened this weekend, college football, and when you go take a look at the AP football poll uh, at the top of it, there are still some teams that are unblemished. And so when we check out these squads and you look at them, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington are still undefeated on the season with a lot of football left to be played. And there are some big games this weekend, whether you talk about Washington having USC this weekend, Georgia playing Missouri this weekend, uh, the other teams, not quite the test that you would maybe think that the other teams are not quite the test that the other teams have. But when we look at it, who do you think will lose first out of this group of five? 
Yeah, it's tough because they've all been playing so well. I just don't think it's going to happen with Georgia and Michigan. You know, it's how do we feel about Florida State now that the ACC is starting to crumble a little bit? Because I think Florida State is the real deal still. They were able to cruise past Wake Forest and what, you know, maybe what little chance that they had of of pulling off the upset. Mm-hmm. But Florida State continues to answer every single time. No, we're for real. And even if the ACC is starting to crumble a little bit, we're still very for real. Uh, the question, I mean, I, I go to Washington mm-hmm. just because you got three ranked opponents mm-hmm. the next three games. Mm-hmm. USC, even with them having dropped a couple games already, barely sneaking in the top 25, still Caleb Williams, you're always going to have a shot. Utah and then Oregon State, those are three really good teams that Washington is going to go through. So I mentioned the Apple Cup at the end of the season yep. at Washington State. I mean, I'd go with the Huskies, but even still, you're talking about some awesome football teams at this point. In no, I would agree with you 100%. Number 24, USC is currently ranked. Number 18, Utah. Number 16, Oregon State and Washington State uh, in the Apple Cup as well. I think that they would be a great candidate because when you look at these teams coming up, now we know that somebody is going to be knocked out when you talk about Michigan and Ohio State playing each other at a minimum. Michigan also still has Penn State left on their schedule, but I never trust Penn State in big games. They seem to always come up small in those. And then when you look at Florida State right now, their schedule is very advantageous. And the only real challenge to me left for them is coming up with uh, they've got Miami, so that's a rivalry game. Yeah, just you two Florida schools. Toss the records out for that. And then Florida, like you said. Now, Pittsburgh, I don't think after getting drubbed 58-7 to by Notre Dame that they're going to have any chance. But they pulled off one upset, and for three consecutive weeks in the ACC, we've had a major upset. So, uh, Fiddy, what are your thoughts? Do you have any uh, differentiation as far as who you think will lose first? I think it's got to be Washington just because they've kind of come back to the field after the, the the win against Oregon. You get pushed by, uh, was it Arizona State they almost lost to at home? So but- the last two outings for Washington, at home against Arizona State, they only won 15-7. to seven. And I was on a pick six by the defense really saved their buns that day. And then they played Stanford on the road, and, and they won 42-33, to 33, allowing over 30 points. Yeah, so I'll look at them in just the schedule. But, just, but I mean, like, they're still very winnable games because USC's defense... Like, you know, we're, we're sitting here complaining about the Tar Heels defense locally. I don't know how much of USC's defense y'all have watched. It's awful. So, But Washington is the answer just because I like Georgia. I trust Michigan. And I don't see a team that's going to be able to beat Florida State. So I think Washington is a team that is most likely going to lose. Yeah, and also, too, when you point to Florida State's schedule, there will be a formidable opponent for them in the ACC championship game. Right now, today, if we had to choose who that team would be, it would probably be Louisville, but uh, and that could be a good matchup for them as well. So Florida State still got that hurdle uh, to cross as well. And so one team that started out the season on fire, and the fire has definitely died down each week, the Colorado Buffaloes. We talked about them a lot in wins and success and all of that, so we got to talk about the L's as well. Took one to UCLA, 28-16, to in a game that was 7-6 to at halftime, and you felt like, man, Colorado's found a little bit of defense. Maybe they can get the job done against UCLA on the road, but it was not to be. That offensive line, that performance, let me tell you. Okay, six quarterback hurries, 10 tackles for loss, seven sacks. I've yet to see 
a performance as bad or worse than what they had. I mean, it was rough for them. And so when you look at Deion Sanders after the game, people are starting to, you know, some of the critiques are starting to come out. And when they ask him, quote, the reporter asked in terms of the big picture, how do you keep Shador upright and healthy? And Dion responded with the big picture, you go get new linemen. That's the picture, and I'm going to paint it perfectly. And so he's starting to get some critiques is that he's strictly a transfer portal coach, doesn't want to develop talent. People are saying, hey, you should just develop the guys that you have on this roster right now and then bring in the reinforcements. But Dion sounds like he wants to completely wipe out this five uh this five guys at offensive line, these five guys, and get a whole new line through the portal more than likely. So what do you think about this? And is this making coaches a little bit lazy now to where they feel like that if they don't have something that they need at a certain position, they can just wipe it out and go into the transfer portal and replace it? Yeah, lazy seems strong to me. But, I mean, with Dion, <laughs> yeah, it. I will say if, if you're excited about what's happening at the beginning of the season – I just have to wonder if you are a high school prospect or even if you are a transfer, even if you want to go to the transfer portal and go bring in somebody that is a really good offensive lineman, or maybe you're just average and you want to learn how to get better because a lot of these players do. They care about getting better, and yet you just don't see any improvement on that end. Then do you trust Deion Sanders to do that if you just think he's going to go to the press and go up there at the podium and say, now nah, these guys aren't blocking. I'm going to find some new ones. Because this is the second time we've seen him do something like this mm-hmm. now. We saw him, the video that went viral, the little clip where he says, hey, I'm bringing my own luggage and it's Louie. So y'all going to have yeah. to get up on out of here. What would you call the offensive line? What type of luggage ain't is Louie. that? I said family dollar. I, I feel like it's the, the thank you grocery or the thank you to go bags. <laughs> that's the kind of luggage. It's just stuffing all the stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Highlight. Thank you in the middle. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's the kind of luggage that the offensive line is. But this is what you're responsible for. And so I wondered, I haven't done this research. Maybe we could get drum. This is what I usually do. <laughs> Except he's in the studio now. Drum. Drum. See how many offensive linemen actually transferred out when Deion Sanders gave that soundbite. But <laughs> I wonder if any of them are playing well after getting coached up or after maybe not having the season they wanted to the year prior. Or maybe they were good, except we just weren't paying attention because Colorado was so bad. Yeah. I wonder how many offensive linemen that are actually performing pretty well got on up out of there yeah. because they weren't Louie, quote-unquote, in front of Deion Sanders' mind. And the other thing, too, is you still got really important games left. You have four games left to go, at least, and maybe you have a bowl game. Do you think those comments are going to motivate the offensive line to block for your son? You know, or you can get some new ones. Might as well start now. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Find your new ones then. I, it doesn't seem like the right coaching tactic to say, okay, guys, this is how we're going to get a lot better. Oh, I'll just find some new ones. Go ahead then. Go ahead. Find some new ones. Shador is about to be on his back. Yeah, and so when you look at their 2024 commits, according to 247, they've got nine hard commits as it stands. Only one is an offensive lineman, Taylor Chandler out of Nevada, 6'3 292. He's a three-star, but not a lot of linemen on the docket for them right now. And so Dion's definitely going to have to get to work. And, folks, it always shows you coming from an offensive lineman. I love to always remind you. You can have all the skill, talent in the world you want, baby. But if you don't have the guys up front, it is not going to work. And also, too, quick aside before we get uh, off of Colorado, it was crazy because they talked about how they had uh, a lot of jewelry stolen out of the locker room at the Rose Bowl. 
uh, uh, after that game against UCLA. I think that's crazy. I'm like, stadiums need to do a better job uh, with kind of protecting these locker rooms and things of that nature. Kids, you know, they work hard. They bust their tails to get this NIL money. And for them to go in there and have their jewelry stolen, uh, that was a sad way to end that football game. But, yeah, just going back to put a bow on the Deion Sanders talk, I do think that uh, – it's going to be interesting to see the way he decides to keep building his programs, if he is indeed is going to be transfer portal heavy or if he's going to go to these recruits because a lot of coaches now, man, they don't want to wait on these kids to come in and develop unless you're a big-time five-star, big-time four-star prospect that could come in and play and contribute within two years. They'd rather go to the portal and be able to pick up a kid that could come in and play right now. I feel like it's really hurting a lot of high school recruits out there, and I think a lot of players are going to end up falling through the cracks uh, because of the transfer portal. But moving on, talking about, the Carolina Panthers and their offensive line, Ike Aquano, we talked about him early in the show, the struggles that he's had. And, you know, this is just a situation where it has to be very disheartening for Panthers fans to see the performances that he's put up. I know for him, it, it's got to be just super tough because like I said, just speaking from experience as a left tackle, they talk about how cornerbacks on an island and they talk about different things like that. But as a left tackle, yes, you are playing as part of a five-man unit. But as a left tackle, you are on an island, okay? And so you are out there by yourself. Yes, you can get help sometimes. You can get chips and different things like that. But a lot of times when you're going up against the Bosa's, the Garrett's, and some of those top-notch edge rushers, it's you and them. And if you make a mistake at the left tackle position with a right-handed quarterback, it's going to be glaring. And so luckily, Bryce, on some of those sacks, he did not fumble yesterday. But this is a problem that needs to be fixed for the Panthers ASAP. This season is really showcasing how poor the draft has been for the Carolina Panthers the last five years, however far you want to go back. Because if we go back to the saving grace for Scott Fitter with the decisions that he made personnel-wise, then you could hide behind what you did with the offensive line last year. Bringing in Austin Corbett, bringing in Bradley Bozeman, then you drafted Ike Iquano. The offensive line was as good as they've been in quite some time. I guess 2015, when you had a strong interior, the tackles were average that year because of continuity. We know what Mike Rembers is usually, but that's about as the last time you can go back to say, okay, collectively that offensive line was good. Last year, it was above average. Now it's not. The sixth overall pick is getting exposed by Jonathan Grenard. You have the interior offensive lineman outside of Austin Corbett who got hurt. You can't find anybody else. Chandler Savala didn't help. He's probably the worst guard in football compared to everybody else when he was playing. And you also have J.C. Horn, another first-round pick, who isn't playing because of the injury problems that persist with him. Man, the, the things that Scott Fitterer could tell you, he could go to his draft board and say, hey, this guy was a hit. These decisions were hits. This is why you should keep me. It's not looking like that this year. And that's really unfortunate for this team when you have all the pressure for a one and six start. We feel good about the Panthers getting their first win, and it was the last team to get their first win. Now, because the Panthers won, we're not talking about an Ofer anymore in the league. And the, it's just tough. Icky doesn't look like he did last year. Looks like he's regressing, which is a problem. And even with that stat that came out at the beginning of the season with how much help he got, 
is this going to be a guy that you always have to give help to, or are you going to have to move him inside at guard? And now we have to address left tackle again. Yeah, that that's the real problem. We got the win. It was really good. But, man, you still had a glaring weakness with blindside protection. And that shouldn't be happen when, happening when you use your sixth overall pick at, on the left tackle. And the thing that worries you the most, I feel like, is that teams are going to – uh, target him. You could tell early in the game, D'Amico Ryan's being an astute head coach and defensive coordinator that he is. He knew, oh yeah, they have a problem on the left side. We're going to attack that. We're going to make him work. And he's going to continue to see that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Carolina chooses to address that. Will they use additional resources on passing plays, like you said, to give him those chips, to do more zone protections, to do some fan protections? I'm not sure the terminology that they use. But are they going to choose to do some of that to be able to help him? And I'm not sure even how much that will help because, as you said, there's so much confusion on blitzes. And it's not just icky as well. This whole offensive line, nobody is absolved of, uh, you know, not playing great football. None of these guys are sterling out there. We saw Taylor Moten get beat uh, for TFL early in that game by Will Anderson. Uh, so nobody on that line is playing spectacular football. But when you talk about the young guy that you're hanging your hat on as a franchise tackle, you wanted that to be a position of stability, and it's not. Uh, I said earlier that maybe during the offseason, maybe him shedding a little bit of weight to get those feet a little quicker uh, could be an answer, or it could just be to move him down inside, and you'll have to address that uh, in the draft. And again, with no first-round selection, and not to say the first-round selections are the end-all, be-all, but it just makes it tough when you have so much that you need to get, and now you have to add left tackle to the list when that is a position that you thought you had covered. Yeah. You continue to just go down the list. It's kind of crazy how some of the guys you felt better about either having the coming out party this year or that were good last year that just aren't doing it because of injury or what have you. You go back to 2021, J.C. Horn injured, not producing, Terrace Marshall possibly getting traded, having a trade request before we even get to, you know, the bye week or in the middle of it. Brady Christensen, you might feel good about him and what he did last season enough collectively with this group. But Christensen's not playing. So, okay, those are the things you could point to and say, these are what I hit on. All right, now they can't even suit up because either your coach is forgetting to play them or they're injured. So now we go to 2022. Matt Corral's not on the roster. Brandon Smith's not on the roster. Ike Iquandu's getting exposed by Jonathan Grenard. Let's go to 2023. You got Bryce, and I'll give him this. It's the one that you have to hit on. Jury's still out from the Panthers fan base collectively. We saw a lot of good things yesterday. But Jonathan Mingo, I'm glad that he had that performance yesterday, too, because it had not been good for him compared to a Tank Dell. How about that, right? Tank Dell had the sick move on the on the runaround. Um, but Mingo did outperform him. You know, Mingo had better yards it doesn't, or better production overall in this game. It doesn't mean that he's better or been better, but at least you got your wide receiver outperforming the other wide receiver so many people had been pointing to and saying, hey, you should have selected that guy. So good day for the most part. Still some problems. It wasn't perfect. You only scored 15 points, so there's still a lot of things that you have to correct. But yesterday just allowed you to forget a tiny, tiny bit. And we'll see if they can continue that with this three-game stretch. There. And, and last thing I'll say, too, I think one thing that exacerbates that is the fact that you missed on some of these free agents, it looks like. And that's the thing that's the most disheartening. Miles Sanders, you wonder yeah. about the player evaluation process when all those draft picks that you mentioned look like they aren't 
forming into shape, but then you've got several kind of free agents that you've gotten to that haven't helped you as much as you thought. They well, and, and you know who the worst graded player on defense was yesterday? Brian Burns? No, it was oh. DJ Johnson. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he, he did get the TFL. Well, he, yeah, so he had <laughs> 30 total snaps, or 29 to be exact. He had 17 run defense snaps. But yeah, wasn't great. He got a lot. He got a lot of time. But yeah, DJ Johnson, still someone that you were hoping to um, produce something this year. Scott Fitter told you he would. And yeah, even then, it takes an injury for him to see the field. And when he sees the field, he's getting exposed because he was tabbed as a raw guy anyway, despite being 25. All right, Fitty, last flash of the day. Let's go, baby. <laughs> That's a primer of what you are going to hear a lot more often (laughs) tomorrow as the NFL trade deadline will hit. I think it's at 4 p.m. And we've got a big one in the NFC West as the Seattle Seahawks are trading for Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams. The Giants will get a 2024 second and a 2025 fifth round pick but just wanted to get you guys excited because like we did with the nba trade Mm. trade deadline any trade that happens during tomorrow's show Mm. we're going to hit the sounder now to my main part of the flash are you guys ready for the sports equinox that's going to take place tonight it's the only day the rest of the year that the nfl the nba the nhl and major league baseball all play on the same day pivotal game three in the world series that nobody wants to talk about the diamondbacks Mm. Lost a heartbreaker in game one, came back and won game two, nine to one. They got a chance to really close the thing in Arizona if they win three straight, but an all around great sports night tonight on tap. I mean, I feel like I'm just going to just self combust all of the sports. There's just so Whoa. much going on. My little TVs is going to be working as hard as they can mm-hmm. to bring me all of that sports action. Fiddy, I know you have multiple TVs as well. I know the Hornets are going to be on TV number one. <laughs> what are they going to be the other games that you watch tonight? I mean, you know, I'm the baseball guy on the show. So game three in a one, one world series, I'm out on Monday night football. I don't give a damn about watching the lions and the Raiders and uh, it's also a breaking bad night in my house so it's going to be a lot of screen time for yours okay. truly. Yeah, you got five TVs that you need to go with. No <laughs> doubt about it. Well, When we come back we're going to close this thing down. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact we can honestly say they're not new to chicken they're true to chicken the mccrispy only at mcdonald's Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
have to imagine Fiddy is feeling some type of way, as I'm sure a lot of people are, after the unfortunate news coming across this weekend. I believe it happened on Saturday night. We all learned about Matthew Perry's passing, I believe, in a drowning incident taking place in his own home. Really, really sad and unfortunate to see Matthew Perry pass away. One of the guys that was on Friends being the character Chandler, excuse me, was uh, the guy that played Chandler on Friends. Hilarious. Matthew Perry was sensational on that show. And Fiddy, really, this is for you because I know that's your favorite show of all time. I myself liked it quite a bit. That was probably my favorite character as well. I know it was yours. I think most people would put him up there in the running for their favorite sitcom characters of all time. One of the more funny guys there, certainly on the show. And so, yeah, really unfortunate to see that with Matthew Perry. Yeah, I think it comes down, like, for me, between Matthew Perry and Michael Scott as my two favorite TV characters of mm-hmm. all time. Charlie Sheen's definitely entered the race as I'm finishing up uh, Two and a Half Men. But, you know, this was news that, for me, like, I saw it. I saw it on Twitter during the UNC game. And I'm not I'm not lying when because the Tar Heels got beat. I was numb the rest of the game when, when, I, when this news came down because – Friends is my favorite TV show of all time. I literally go to bed watching the show every night. It's what plays on my TV as I sleep. So I wake up to it. I go to sleep to it. And so, um, and you, you just see about all the, the the addiction and stuff that he had overcame. I felt like he was finally in a good a good spot in his life. And then, th- and then you know, th- this happens. It was really sad and unfortunate to see when that news came down Saturday evening. Yeah, that one was tough. Did you watch Friends at all, Wes? Is that I did not watch Friends at all, but I was quite familiar. And, uh, you know, the details of his passing, you know, it was kind of bizarre, man, but it's sad yeah. nonetheless uh, what happened to him. And he's definitely considered, you know, a legend because of that show. Yeah. when I mean, yeah, absolutely. Matthew Perry was. So, for sure, it's something that – uh, man, unexpected too. I remember getting the news as well. One of those things that you'll remember, if depending on how much of a fan of the show you were with friends, it was really sad to see. Uh, Fiddy, did you have anything else that you, we had some sound bites as well that we wanted to play with Frank Reich continuing to talk as well, if I'm not mistaken. He had some comments earlier today. And uh, I know we did have a comment on Miles Sanders since people are asking about it on the text line. We were talking about it. You asked if it was a bust of a move in free agency signing Miles Sanders the way that they did. People were also joking on the text line that the best play he's made so far was pulling his hands back on the Adam Thielen fourth down connection. And this is why Miles Sanders was in that area in the first place. Frank Reich talked about it earlier today. There was a miscommunication. And so hats off to Adam for, you know, because you're, you're breaking out expecting the ball on time and then all of a sudden you see miles running at you and it could be a big time distraction you know to both to both adam and to bryce throwing it and uh but adam had great concentration was still able to make uh make the play can you imagine if this team lost this game and then we got this comment from frank reich afterwards saying miles sanders ran the wrong route after playing 18 percent of the snaps one of the snaps that he played was on a fourth down conversion attempt. He ran the wrong route to the point where it almost messed up the pass to Adam Thielen. He wouldn't survive. He wouldn't stay on this (laughs) roster. He would be traded. Even if this fan base would have demanded the Panthers trade him for a conditional seventh round pick in 2029. It does not matter if you get nothing in return after the way that he had been playing so far. One of the snaps that you had playing under 20% of the snaps and you almost mess up the win. 
Whew, buddy, I'm glad he pulled those hands back in time. And when he did, so Adam Thielen could come down. Yeah, it would have been real bad, man. I think that was almost grounds to if that would have happened to be cut as soon as the game was <laughs> over with on some Jimmy Johnson type of stuff, man, because uh, that's unacceptable, especially if it costs you a win for a winless football team. That hurts bad enough if you're rolling, but especially when you're a team fighting desperately to get a win and you make that kind of mistake. Yeah, it, it was crazy because with Miles Sanders there – Bryce Young almost had to throw it in between three people. And this is what Bryce Young does. He's looking for Adam Thielen in those fourth down conversion attempts, third and short, whatever. He's looking for his go-to guy constantly. And the fact that Miles Sanders was there, he had to throw it between three people. So made it all the more impressive that Adam Thielen was able to bring that in. Chuba Hubbard, some tough yardage there, had the reception on the left side of the field. Also picked up, despite him not having a great yards per carry average, Chuba picking up the first down in order to set up Eddie Pinheiro's field goal that eventually took a while but went through the uprights. Chuba Hubbard did a good job on that drive as well. So there's the one soundbite on Miles Sanders. I, I'm so glad that he was able to pull those hands back just in time. Matt and Greensboro, he wrote in too, just to finish out the so, show. Is Sanders even tradable at this point? I don't care what they get back. Is there any way you trade them? <laughs> trade deadline tomorrow. It's going to be a big point of conversation. It doesn't look like we're hearing anything of real substance with Brian Burns. Not like last year, at least. We do see a big trade with Leonard Williams going to Seattle. But with Carolina, how involved do you think they're going to be tomorrow? Uh, not very. I just don't think they have enough capital. And I don't think at this point you spend whatever capital you have unless you get a deal that you absolutely feel like is something for the future that's going to be uh, of the utmost benefit. We'll see. It should be fun. I don't know if it's going to be as fun as the NBA trade deadline was for us, but it could. Uh, we could see some big moves. We just saw one coming in a couple of minutes ago with Leonard Williams being traded from the Giants to the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe some more moves come in today, and we will be there to break it down tomorrow. As always, every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. Thanks to Drum for hanging out with us once again. We'll come back at you tomorrow, 12 to 3, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And that's how it's done.